deals with this topic. The Bible offers about 500, give or take, verses on prayer. Less than 500 verses on faith, but get this offers more than 2,000 verses on this topic. What is this topic? Money. You may wonder, what does money have to do with my faith in Jesus Christ? What does money have to do with my life as a Christian? What does money have to do with my calling as a servant of God? Well, in a nutshell, now that you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, He wants to be Lord. And if he's Lord, that means that he wants to be in command of every aspect of your life, and that includes your finances. The Christian reformer Martin Luther once said, there are three great conversions that are necessary. There's the conversion of the heart, there is the conversion of the mind, and there is the conversion of the wallet. Amen? When we experience this conversion of the wallet, and we generously allow Jehovah Jireh, the provider God, to provide for His work, get this, through us, then we are making the best investment possible. We are making an investment that has eternal dividends. With that in mind, I want to ask four questions this morning about our 12th cornerstone of faith, provision. First question. Why on earth do I have to give my money to a God who's got all the money? Amen? That's a good question, right? Why am I to give some of my money to God who's got all the money? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul wrote to that church and tells us the most basic reason is not only because God owns it all anyway, but because, get this, because God wants to prove His faithful provision through your generous giving. Did y'all get that? Say amen if you got it. God wants to prove His faithful provision through your generous giving. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Remember, the farmer who plants just a few seeds, gets a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much you're going to give. For you're not to give reluctantly. You're not to give in response to pressure. 
For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need with plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forevermore. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer. God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, God will provide and increase our resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in our own soul. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way. That way you can always be generous. So why am I to give some of my money when God owns it all anyway? God wants to prove his provision through your faithful giving. And times of uncertainty like we're experiencing in this day and age is the times when our faithfulness to God's provision is truly tested. But as God's stewards, as God's servants, you and I are the ones. You and I are the ones. We are the channel. We are the conduit through which God blesses other people. We're the ones. We're the conduits through which God blesses other people. And if the conduit gets bent... If the channel gets clogged with selfishness and greediness, then others are going to suffer needlessly. Second question. Okay, then. How much am I to give? Well, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus made an observation. In Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41, the Bible says... Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. He sat opposite the treasury and he saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in a lot. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, just two little copper coins, which make a quadrant, which equals one Roman coin. And so Jesus called his disciples to himself and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance, but she put in out of her poverty. Out of all that she had, she gave her livelihood. When we read that little passage, we find out that as far as Jesus is concerned, generosity is not measured by the size of the gift. Generosity is not measured by the size of the gift. It's measured by the motive behind the gift. 
Jesus valued this small offering of this poor widow more than he did the large, vast sums of money that the rich folk were putting in. Jesus knew that she had given of all she had. And Jesus knew her heart was in the right place when she gave it. You know, it's in the Old Testament where the king over God's people, David, said this. He said, I'm not going to give to God that which cost me nothing. Now, what's that supposed to mean? I'm not going to give to God that which cost me nothing. What does that mean? That means that David said, you know what? I ain't giving God my leftovers. I'm not going to give to God that which costs me nothing. No, I'm going give to give him something valuable. I want to give him the best. I mean, is it too much to ask that God's people, God's redeemed, born-again people, give their best to God? I mean, after all, since he gave his best in Jesus, dying in our place, no. Our attitude should be about giving just like those believers who were in Macedonia. Maybe you didn't hear that story. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul basically said about these believers in Macedonia that they gave of their own free will not only what they could afford, but far more. Paul said of those believers in Macedonia, they begged us. They begged us over and over again for the privilege of giving to the poor believers who were in Jerusalem. So, friend, when you're thinking about how much you should give, when you think about how much of your income you should offer to the Lord's work, remember this promise that we find in Proverbs 11.25. And that promise is this. The generous soul will be made rich. Are you hearing me, church? The generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be made rich. Those who water others, will they themselves be watered? Why am I to give some of my money to a God who has it all? Because God chooses to make His provision for others through your generous giving. How much then am I supposed to give? How about just giving your best? After all, that's what Jesus did. Amen? Jesus gave his best. Third question. Well, what happens when I give? Well, as Paul was working to mend divisions between Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians, he had taken up a financial love gift from the Gentile believers at Corinth. And it was going to be given to the needy and poor Jewish believers who were in Jerusalem. And so as he wrote to them in 2 Corinthians, he told them about the benefits. The benefits of giving to God, the benefits of giving to the church, and here's what he basically said. The first benefit of giving to God's work is, is that your motives are perfected. Your motives are perfected. God said, or the Bible says that God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
Well, that word cheerfully could also be translated hilariously. Have you learned to give to God's work hilariously, over the top, above and beyond what is expected of you? We're to learn to give out of joy, not to give out of duty, not to give out of guilt, and not to give out of pressure, but to give out of joy. Motive is important, but the second benefit that we get by giving to God's work is, is that as we give, here we go, as we give, God gives to us. I like that equation, amen? As we give, God gives to us. Now, chances are you heard all your life that you can't outgive God. If you've heard that once in your life, raise your hand. Amen? You cannot outgive God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it'll be given to you. In good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, overflowing on you, poured into your lap. But get this, for with the same measure you give, it is given back to you. In other words, the amount you give determines what you give back. Are you getting me, church? The amount we give determines what we get back. Now, we don't give to get. I understand that. We don't give to get. We give because God is such a generous and gracious giver to us. So our motives are perfected. That's good news. As we give, we also receive. So motives and receiving are good benefits. But the third benefit is this. Other people are helped when we give financially. I mean, if you've learned anything through all these cornerstones of faith that I've been preaching on for weeks, the one thing that you should learn is that you and I should always be on the lookout, amen, on the lookout how we might help other Christian believers. Therefore, God's word commands his people to to give two ways. He commands his people to give in tithes and offerings. Ready? Tithes. Tithes and offerings. Fill in the blank. Tithes and offerings. Right. Not one or the other, but both. God commands a tithe. What is that? That's basically 10% of your increase. It's, it's just it's that easy. He does that to support his work through the church. But he also commands offerings that go above and beyond the tithes to help people who are in need. And when those people see your offerings, when those people receive your offerings, do you know what happens? They get to see with their own eyes what they've been told about Christians all their life. They get to see with their own eyes that the Christian faith is more than just words. The Christian faith fills needs. So when you give to the Lord's work, the money that basically had zero spiritual impact, the money that you had 
basically had zero spiritual impact before, but now when you give it to the Lord's work, it touches the lives of people for the glory of God. What started off as just being a piece of paper with a number on it now changes lives. You didn't do it. You just gave what God gave to you. God is looking, friend. Look at me. God is looking for open-handed people. God is looking for open-handed people on whom he can pour out blessings. Because he knows that when he pours out blessings on you, you're going to give it to somebody else. So why am I to give some of my money to a God who's got it all? Because he wants to prove his faithful provision through your generous giving. How much should I give? How about just giving your best? Amen. Jesus gave his best. What happens when you give? Well, here's what happens. Your motives change. This is the, this is the really cool part. Not only do your motives change, but your ability to give increases. And others are helped. It's amazing. But here's the fourth question. How then should I view material wealth? Well, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus deals with the greatest distraction to following him wholeheartedly. And the greatest distraction to following him wholeheartedly is wealth. And here's what he taught about that. Number one, Jesus said we must watch what we store and how we store it. We must watch what we store and how we store it. In Matthew 6, 19, Jesus said, Do not lay up. Do not heap up. Do not pile up. Do not hoard for yourselves treasures on earth. Instead, lay up. Heap up. Hoard treasures in heaven for yourselves. Now listen, Jesus is not condemning you uh, putting back money to support your family's future. God, Jesus is not uh, even condemning at all providing for your family's needs. But here is what he's criticizing. He's criticizing the accumulation of material things so that you can keep up with the Joneses. He's criticizing us accumulating possessions so that we can keep up with our neighbors. He wants us to enjoy what God's given without making possessions our number one goal. Here's what else Jesus said. Not only watch what you store and how you store it, but Jesus also said we must keep our vision clear about this issue of material wealth. While we are to enjoy what God's given us, we must understand that material things lose their value over time, don't they? We must understand that material things can get destroyed. We must understand that material things can get lost. Material things can get stolen. So we have to keep possessions in their proper perspective. And when you do that, you avoid worshiping the gift 
instead of the giver of the gift. But you must choose. You're going to choose to worship the gift or the giver of the gift. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You must choose one or the other. So watch what you store and how you store it. Make sure you keep your vision clear. But Jesus also said we should not worry about material things. Worry is probably one of the most powerful forces we human beings have. But it's this powerful force of worry that distracts us and sometimes divides us. But Jesus said, y'all ain't got to worry about material possessions. Don't worry about material possessions because my Father in heaven knows what you need. And he'll provide what you need. And I love the way Jesus put it. In Matthew 6, 27, he said, you can almost hear the sarcasm in his voice, amen? Here's the way he said it. He said, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Which one of y'all, by worrying, can add an inch to his height? What's the answer? None. Why? Because worrying about money is a huge waste of time for the the child of God, for the servant of the Lord. So we should not worry about material things. Lastly, Jesus said we must put God first, especially in this area of giving. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, seek first. In Matthew 6.33, what did Jesus say? Y'all getting close. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, Seek first. Seek first what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what will happen? All the rest will be added to you. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it amazing that with God, when you put first things first, everything else falls into place? You ever experienced that? If you put God first, everything else falls into place. Finances are no different. Why am I to give some of my money to a God who's got it all? Because he wants to prove his faithful provision through our generous giving. How much am I supposed to give? How about me giving my best for a change? Being that Jesus gave his best. What happens when I give? My motive changes. My ability to give more changes. And other people are helped. How should I view material wealth? Well, you've got to keep your watch on. You've got to keep your perspective. You've got to watch how you store it up. You've got to keep your temporary wealth in proper perspective. You've got to realize I don't have to worry about material wealth. But most importantly, put God First, and I know I told you only four questions, but I got a bonus question for you, amen? A bonus question, and that is this. Am I free then? Am I free to enjoy wealth? Well, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
Listen to what he wrote. He said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be prideful, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. Friend, the Lord can... And the Lord will bless you with riches of some kind. Y'all hearing me? He's going to bless you with riches of some kind. They may not be material at all. But not all riches are material riches, are they? 1 Timothy 6, 6, Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. But he went on to say, For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we will take nothing out. However, God does bless people materially. He does bless people with material blessings. And if he chooses to bless you that way, he requires three things of you. Are you ready? Say ready. Amen. Amen. One, if he blesses you with material blessings, don't put your hope in that wealth. 1 Timothy 6.10 says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You see, wealth in and of itself is not sinful. Neither is wealth in and of itself godly. It all depends on what's going on in here. It all depends on the heart of the person. The question is this. Here's the question you got to ask. Do I possess my possessions or do my possessions possess me? Do I possess my possessions or do my possessions possess me? Whatever you do, don't put your hope in wealth. Secondly, the second thing that God demands of you if he's going to bless you with material things is he wants you to enjoy what he's given you. Whatever that may be. Enjoy what he's given you. If God does bless you materially, then enjoy those things just like they came straight from his hand. Because they did. There's no need to feel guilty. There's no need to feel ashamed. There's no need to feel embarrassed because God has seen fit to bless you materially. Just be thankful. Be humble. Be appreciative. Realizing that God wants you to enjoy the blessings God's given. Remember what he said there in verse 17? He said, trust in the living God who gives richly all things to enjoy. Be thankful. So don't put your hope in wealth. Be sure that you enjoy what God's given you. But thirdly, be generous, do good, and this is the big one, share with others. If you're listening, say amen. amen. With wealth comes responsibility. With wealth comes responsibility. You remember what he said in verse 18 right there? 
He said, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. With wealth comes responsibility. If God provides you with material wealth, then you need to recognize something. You need to recognize that God views you as a faithful steward and therefore God fully expects you to invest what He's given you in His kingdom work. Because yes, He's given it to you to enjoy, but He's also given it to you to share in His kingdom work. When you give God total control, of every aspect of your life, especially this area of giving. You'll never be controlled by your wealth and you'll never be controlled by the wealth you wish you had. You know, God's pretty wealthy, amen? God's pretty rich, amen? And you know what God did? God so loved you and me that He gave. He gave his one and only Son, that according to Ephesians 1.7, that in Him, you and I might have redemption. He gave His one and only Son, that in Him, you and I might be saved. He gave His one and only Son, that you and I might be born again into the kingdom of God. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Yeah, God's rich. He's rich in grace and He has poured out that grace on you and I. If you realize that this morning and it's time for you to make a decision to accept that gift of grace, we at the church family at Bethel want to encourage you to make that decision today. If the Lord has poured out His blessings on you, please understand that God views you as a faithful steward and He fully expects you to sow seed into His spiritual kingdom. He doesn't give it just for you. He gives it because He views you as a responsible child of God that's going to make sure that that wealth gets used for His glory. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you today. And Father, we all recognize that every person in this room is filthy rich. Lord, we're rich because the riches of God's grace have been poured out upon us. And Lord, we thank you so much that you loved us so much you gave your only begotten Son that in Him we might be redeemed through His blood, receiving the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of your grace. Father, if there's someone within earshot of my voice this morning that wants the riches of God's grace that come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins, Father, I pray that they would pray a prayer like this. Lord God Almighty, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that I need to turn away from my sin and turn to the saving power of Jesus. Lord, I, I believe this morning. 
I confess my belief in Him and I believe that He rose again the third day. And Father, I just want to be saved today. Father, if they can say that today, Lord, I ask you to help them to contact one of us, to contact a good Christian friend and let them see what the Bible says about how they too can be redeemed from their sins. Father, we also recognize that as believers, as servants of God, Lord, we have a responsibility to use what you've given us for your glory. Father, I pray you would allow this message, your word, to permeate our hearts and to change our lives for your glory. Lord, help us to understand that we have a responsibility to be our brother's keeper. So Lord, change us. Lord, make the, the changes in us that you want to make. And we'll be swift to give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing.